everyone. Thanks for tuning into the message podcast of French Church. My name is Alessandra. I'm one of the team members here, and we're so glad that you're joining us. It's been really encouraging to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening in. We really hope that our messages are resonating with you. We also wanted to say thank you to those who are contributing to Friends Church. All of the things we're able to do, it's because of people who donate regularly. Even small, consistent gifts help a lot. If you haven't had the chance yet to give, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that, especially if it's been beneficial in your own journey. To do that, it's really easy. Just go to our website, friendschurch.ca, and click on the Donate tab, or download our Friends Church app and click on the Give tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's message. Morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. Wasn't that nice to hear that? And in this space, to hear it resonating through everything? I love that. Can we just take a second? I, I just kind of, as I was going through today, talking to all the volunteers that make this happen, can we just give them a round of applause and say thank you? There's the crew on stage, the crew back here, the people welcoming you, people who are doing stuff through the week, getting everything ready to go. Yeah, it's incredible. And if that's something that you ever want to do, please reach out to Jeff and I, Vince at Friends Church, Jeff at Friends Church, uh, and reach out, be part of this thing. Um, as we kind of have gone surfed this last 14 months, it's been quite a wave that we've been riding, hasn't it? And now as they say, you know, in whatever, three, four weeks, we could be completely open, maskless, coughing on each other, you know, doing whatever we used to do that was weird and gross. <laughs> Can you all imagine being in a movie theater packed with no masks, with like hundreds of other people? It's going to take a bit of getting used to. One thing that we were in, incredibly blessed by is that our funding actually has done fairly well considering you know, to go through this unprecedented times, I know we always say that, but to go through that and to not have an issue where, you know, we're having to close the doors, that's, when it first came out, that's what we thought was going to happen. And yet people who believed in Friend Church, you guys kept donating, kept saying, no, 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 this is an important part of my life. And between the donations that we've had and some cuts we've had and the government, thank you government, we've actually had a decent year. Now, if this is something that's valuable to you, we always want to say thank you, and then on the same hand, don't take your foot off the gas. If this is something valuable to you, and that's something that you want to keep going, just throw a little bit of money in the plate. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it if you're here. Black box. There's also online, friendchurch.ca or our app. Just throw a bit of money in there. Give it to yourself as part of the gym kind of concept, but also give it to the people around you. There's hundreds of people all over the world right now who listen to Friends Church, who are part of this, and you're making sure that it happens for them. So on behalf of all those people, people you'll never meet, who will never be able to say thank you, let me say thank you for supporting us. And now, because Jeff always does this to me, I want you to give Jeff a big round of applause, because he makes me always feel uncomfortable. Oh, man. Good morning and welcome. Glad you're here today and we're listening in. 
Um, I don't know what you've been up to over the last little while in Calgary. It's been pretty warm. I was pretty excited. We, uh, we had a, my hockey team uh, had a big surprise birthday party uh, planned for a guy on our team who was turning 40. And uh, we all went out golfing yesterday. Of course, it had been so warm until yesterday, right? Of course, it's raining. But man, was it sweet. We all showed up. Many of us hadn't seen each other in like over a year. And uh, the birthday boy shows up, of course, completely floored by it all. His wife had done a great job of kind of keeping it a secret. And it was, it was great. You know, I've been playing hockey with some of these guys for like 20 years. The reunion was sweet. We, uh, we played, we got soaked, and then after the, after the round, they have this, the golf course had this big tent set up so that people could come and hang out afterwards, according to the AHS rules. So we all gathered inside this tent. We're, we're, we're soaked to the bone, but we sit around having not really seen each other for that long, and what happened around that table is just so, so special. I mean, we're not a sentimental bunch, right? Like, these guys can chirp each other pretty hard, you know? But we just got telling stories. Times, certain guys kind of started playing with us, and we started reminiscing how certain guys got their nicknames. (laughs) Oh, man. One guy's nickname is Taser, and I won't even go into that story, but man, I'm telling you, the stories, we would laugh so hard. Most of us are, are like shaking from, you know, borderline hypothermia, but no one wanted to leave. We ordered in food, we sat around, just enjoying the friendship, soaking in this, being able to look at each other in the eyes and be close. Man, we never thought something like that would be something, it would be so taken for granted. And to have it again, no one wanted to leave. So we stayed way too long, man. I came home. It took me probably five hours to warm up, sat in that shower for a while. You know, I believe one of the great human experiences is to have people in our lives who can experience, we can experience meaningful times and moments with connections to have someone we can laugh with, to do things with, you know, people that we can feel safe confiding in, sharing not just in the good times, but in some of the difficult times. There is nothing greater than having someone who can look into your soul and really get you. No. Whether it's 12 people on a golf course or two of you sitting across a kitchen table, talking about some ugly development, some unknown, unexpected crisis, to have someone that can look at you and go, I'm here. What do you need? To give a hug, to belly laugh, someone who can come to your defense. Say, whoa, 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 no, no, no. Don't say that about him. 
It was Maslow who, you know, a famous psychologist who said that next to survival and sustainability, love and belonging is the greatest human need we got going. Love and belonging, we need, we have this hardwired need inside of us to feel like we belong, whether that's to to someone, to a group of people, to a tribe, a community. It gives us a sense of purpose, mission, identity. We need it. We need people in our lives who we can feel a sense of belonging to. I'll be the first to admit that as an extrovert, I'm especially wired for lots of connection. This last 15, 16 months, it's, it's exacted its pound of flesh for a guy like me. But over the last few months, I've heard from so many, including many introverts, people who have never really needed a ton of people in their life, who've said, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm craving connection with others. It's surprised me the kind of people who I've heard that coming from. We all need it in different degrees. Sadly, this lack of connection, this this craving, this sense of isolation, it's becoming a disturbing trend. Long before the pandemic, research was telling us that we have a loneliness epidemic. The number of people who have no one to talk to about difficult things has literally tripled in the last decade. Tripled in the last 10 years. The average social circle has shrunk by a third in the last 10 years. In just the last 10 years, by a 33%. Most people, more people don't have a confidant, someone they can confide in, share something that's going on inside of them than those who do. Research is telling us we are lonelier, we are more disconnected than we've ever been. And I'm not sure why, but no one wants to admit that they're lonely. Like, there's a stigma around loneliness. You admit to being lonely, you're admitting that maybe there's some kind of something wrong. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever heard someone come right out and say, I'm feeling really lonely right now? That is one of the things I rarely have ever heard someone fessing up to. People will admit to a drinking problem before they'll admit to a lonely problem. That is a disturbing trend. And I'll tell you why, because loneliness kills. They say, published research now has proven that loneliness has a worse effect on humans than smoking. You will die quicker from loneliness than from cigarettes. It will leave us, and I I, I think for me, why I really care about this is this, this loneliness thing, it will leave us spiritually stunted. It leaves us in a cowering place. 
in a place where the last thing you're thinking about is making your world better. It leaves us in this insecure, paralyzed state where we feel so disconnected from everyone around us. Let me ask you something. Do you feel lonely? Do you feel like at this point perhaps that you don't have really close or best friends? Someone you can really lean on, talk to? Someone who truly gets you? Do you ever get this overwhelming feeling of isolation regardless of who's around? I mean, you can be at a, 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 in the midst of a bunch of people who you know and just still feel isolated, separate, disengaged. Maybe it's even at work, you feel alienated. Some will feel it even just being on a bus, a train, walking down a busy street. It's like you're in this unbreakable bubble. It's how loneliness feels. Sometimes it manifests in negative feelings of self-doubt and self-worth, feeling like you're just less than enough. You're not likable. You're not lovable, perhaps. Like something might be wrong with you. So it affects how you put yourself out there. And it, it trickled down. You just feel alone. You try to connect, perhaps, or maybe at some point you reached out, but then you got frustrated because it just wasn't reciprocated. It's like you're not seen. You're not heard. You speak, and no one responds. Listen to me. If you felt this way, you are not alone. Listen to me. You are not alone. Loneliness is epidemic. It's not something to be ashamed about. It needs to be addressed, though, because loneliness kills. I think because of the pandemic, it makes this loneliness problem that much worse. It took what was already a dark, dark scenario that was subtly growing in our society. And now it's ratcheted up to to unbelievable proportions. We got to do something about this, folks. I was going to talk about something else, to be honest, today. We're starting this revisited series, and it's it's really an opportunity for us to, to focus on something that we've, we've addressed in the past, that we had different feedback or interest, or we thought, oh man, I'd love to kind of take that further. I had something I, I was thinking about, man, it just seems like the number of, I, I, this was riding on the back burner, but man, over the last few weeks, even with all the announcements of things beginning to open up, I'm just watching this. I'm, I'm seeing it so vividly in the lives of people around me. I'm going, uh, I, I want to take a run at this. I, I'm not, I don't got all the answers, but I want to get you thinking deeply about this. I want you to be thinking about ways, if you are there, if you're feeling even twinges of this, 
start thinking strategically about what you can do to reverse it, to start stepping out of it. Things are shifting right now, and maybe you've heard, and maybe you've felt things are changing around us, the announcements that things are opening up. Even just being able to be here two weeks ago, we couldn't even do this. The fact that we can even gather in this room in another couple of weeks, we can go from 15% to 30% capacity in this building. I can golf with four people now, all right? Or three, three others. I mean, all is well in the world. You know, like you just, you feel this sense of things are returning. We're going to be able to meet more and more with others and interact. We are at a moment right now where we've got an opportunity to do something about this loneliness thing. What would you do? For some, it'll be just simply a matter of reconnecting with people you've lost touch with over the last 16, 18 months. It's just simple. Let's get together. For many, it will involve taking some brave steps to build some new community, to find your people, to find the people you feel heard and seen by, that you can see and hear, where you begin to feel that bond, that connection. But all of this raises questions as we begin to look at reconnecting or, or building this sense of community. Who are the people we should be building community with? How do you decide who your people are? Is it something you decide? Or do they just choose you? Is it you just stumble on the people that will end up being your community? Or do you go out and actively look for the ones that it, it seems like a good fit. Who should you invest relationally in? Chances are, if you're lonely, you have experienced moments where you look back and go, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. What happened there? Who's supposed to make up our personal tribe? I hope this morning I'm going to get your wheels turning get you fired up to start thinking about what you're going to do as things, as the world opens up to you again. Years ago, I read a book called The Search to Belong by a guy named Joe Myers. Um, this radically changed me, this book. It gave language to things that I had experienced, that I had witnessed, that I observed. I was a connections pastor here at Friends Church Years ago when we started this thing, I was fascinated with how people form relationships that change their lives, that change them and in turn allow them to change the world. I'm like going, well, how does this work? He spoke to four different spaces, relational spaces that exist in each of our worlds that are part of our tribe. I don't have time to talk about all four, but I want to touch on three of them that I think are very relevant to you right now. If we can understand the basic premise of these different types of relational space, I think it gives you some tools to, to kind of analyze what might be happening in your own personal relational world, where there may be gaps, holes, you haven't even maybe seen or thought of. Maybe it'll give you some tangible ways to focus this week on improving things. The first, public, the first space that, that Joe Meyer speaks of is this public space public space. It's by far the largest kind of relationships you'll have. These groups of people we find ourselves connected to, not because we know them personally, 
people that exist in your public space, for the most part, are strangers. But you're connected to them because you share something in common. I was in Canadian Tire about three weeks ago. We are standing in line. The line was quite long, of course. We're all socially distanced. And I overheard the teller ask, uh, so the cashier asked the customer standing in front of her how his day was going. And he was quick. He said, I'm depressed. Well, all of us in line kind of snapped our necks down going, that's not a typical answer. What the heck? He said, my flames are out and I'm hurting. Well, I chimed in right away, man. I said, I feel your pain, pal. I feel your pain. The lady behind me says, me too. And all of a sudden, while we're in line paying for our things, we start up a conversation. What do the flames got to do? Like, what would you do if you're in management? We had this whole conversation. Never ever met them. Complete strangers. But man, I tell you, in a matter of seconds, the three of us had this bonding experience connected over something. This is, this is what happens in public space. You don't have to know their names. You might never see them again, but because you have something in common with them, you feel a level of connection. If you think about, uh, you go on YouTube, if you go on someone's YouTube channel, you can see the different pages they're connected to. It's funny, you can see all the different public spaces, the public tribe that someone is a part of. It tells you a lot about someone when you see the different things, their interests. Some people are a part of a big home decorating tribe where they just love to talk about everything home decorating. Maybe they have a famous home decorator that they follow and they're on their page and, and they're filling out their forms. Oh, I love this and I've tried this. Does anyone out there, has anyone ever done this to their floors? I have, this is what I've done. See, these people never ever see each other. But they have, they have certain passions and interests in common, and they gather around, and they talk about them. Over the last year in this pandemic, public space is where many of us have lived. We've followed the lives of celebrities, along with thousands of others. Experts, we've listened to the same or read the same authors. Podcasters. And maybe you've been a part of chat forums where you've weighed in on certain things. Many of you have experienced Friends Church in public space. Uh, there's people that I'm still meeting. You've never been a part of Friends Church prior. You don't know anyone. You've stepped into this. And you're going, I, I don't know a person here. But you share in common with everyone else in this community, those that are listening, the spiritual journey. And so you feel this, a level of connection and these things are important. These, these, they, they give us a sense of identity. They give us a sense of greater connection to something more. But they're limited. Public space plays a role, but it's a limited role. Especially when we start talking about loneliness and human connection, they can only do so much. Which is... Encouraging because there's another space that we can move into from our public spaces. We move from public space into what we call social space. This too can be experienced at Friends Church. You can move from public space where you just go, all I have in common with this entire community is 
Vince and Jeff on a Sunday, listen to them. The bands that play, the, the concept of the spiritual journey. But then you walk into this place, or maybe you go online or whatever, and you go, hey, I'm right here. And someone says, hey, you, I see you. What's your name? I'm Jeff. Oh, I'm Susan. Nice to meet you, Susan. What brings you here? Well, you know, here's... And all of a sudden, as soon as there's an exchange of name, you move from public into social. Someone is capable of walking into a crowd, seeing you and go, oh, I know him. Hey, Rod, how's it going, pal? It's good to see you. And Rod turns and looks at me and says, hey, Jeff, something happens in just someone being able to separate you from the crowd, doesn't it? You felt that before when someone says, hey, Joey, what's going on, man? And you go, oh, oh yeah, hey, there's so-and-so. There's a feeling. I'm seen. Not just a number here. Something beautiful about that experience of being seen and heard. Being able to all of a sudden start communicating with someone on a, a, a more personal level than just a random crowd. Something different about that. So we engage in these social tribes. Let me ask you something. What kind of social tribes are you a part of? Social relationships. Perhaps it's at work. You've met a bunch of different people that you worked with. Now when you walk into work, you're not a stranger. You go, hey, John, how's it going? Oh, not too bad, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Susan, nice to see you. Feels great. Maybe you're out mowing the lawn. You see your neighbor on the other side. He's mowing his lawn too. You go, hey, pal. What's happening? Have a little conversation. Maybe you're on some kind of sports team like I am. You meet a bunch of people. Maybe you're in a parenting group or were. Book club, wine club, dinner club. There's millions of these kind of social clubs, groups, around volunteering some of you have met a a crew that you've uh, i've developed a little community of people who donate platelets you sit in that chair the number of times that i have and i get to know certain donors it's like hey when are you back i'm coming back on the oh i'll see you then pal the nurses you just meet people, and, the, and, and it's focused around a particular interest. You know what was fascinating? Back in the 70s, this is 50 years ago, two-thirds of people in the Western world attended some kind of club gathering, sports, hobby, special interest groups, causes, two-thirds. By the late 1990s, so fast forward, what, 20, 20 30 years? Two-thirds of the Western world had never even attended one. People's social types of connections have been dropping at alarming rate. We're driving up our driveway, the garage door is opening, we're driving in and the garage door closes. We're more and more removing ourselves kind of social acquaintance kind of connection is usually it's very focused around a specific event. We connect around a church gathering, 
at work, whatever. But when it's over, here's the thing about these social acquaintances. When the activity is done, the connection ends. It's like you're not typically phoning up your work employees on a Friday night going, hey, so what's going on? Those kinds of relationships, the acquaintance types, are very focused around something. So, of course, over the last 16 months, when everything gets locked down and all these people that are in already a shrinking number of people that are engaged in social kinds of acquaintance and relationships around these clubs and, 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 and causes that we're a part of, already shrinking, but then society gets locked down. We can't meet. We can't do these things that we've been doing. What happens? Well, those social connections go dormant. There isn't enough relational glue. There isn't enough reason to pick up the phone and go, hey, what's going on, man? I noticed this with my hockey group. All of a sudden, we weren't playing hockey. And so we went a whole amount of time before someone said, hey, like maybe, maybe we should do something. So we started having these happy hours Sunday nights when we'd normally be playing hockey. We'd say, hey, on Zoom, let's go. Grab your beer, whatever, and we'll just sit and chat. But yet, when hockey is it, and even NHL's locked out, you start running out of stuff. So you're like, eh. that limped along for a little bit, and then we just... It just went away. WhatsApp, hockey trivia, guys have been trying to keep that alive. Social acquaintances, when the thing that brought you together goes away, so does the relationship. If you're the type of person that's relied heavily on social relationships, chances are there's a good reason why you might be sitting here going, I feel so alone. Let me ask you something. How many different kinds of social relationships have you lost contact with over the last, well, during the pandemic? Who are the people that you were just rubbing shoulders with on a regular basis? How has that affected you? As things begin to reopen and the opportunities to meet in person are growing, this is a perfect time to begin thinking about the kinds of people and perhaps the groups that you might be interested in re-engaging with. Because these things, these social groups play a very vital role. Even though they may have a very specific reason for coming together, they have a powerful connecting and sorting opportunity for you to find those people that fall into the next category which are our personal friends. How many know you don't just go to a personal friend tree and pick your friend off a tree? Go, yeah, actually, I need a good friend, him. It doesn't work that way. Friends, personal space, it comes out of, it comes out of a long process of sorting, hanging out, meeting people around your common interests. You go, oh, that person, yeah, we connect. Oh, yeah, I like that person. We should maybe do some more. You want to go and get coffee sometime? Hey, we should get our families together. 
Oh, we see our kids playing together. This is amazing. This is awesome. Personal space is, is kind of a long-term equation. Social happens almost immediate. Over the last few months, I've been rallying people within our community who I consider community, passionate community people who, who believe in human connection, who are excited to see more of it flourish in our community. Been pulling them together going, all right, things are opening up. What's our plan? Let's create some opportunity for social space. We've been chatting, what does that look like? We have I've, I've someone who had led women's groups here at Friends Church. She's like, we're going. We're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this. We'll, we'll get it rolling in September. I'm going to find those women out there that are looking to connect socially. I was talking to another guy who's an outdoor fanatic, loves hiking and just being outdoors. He's like, man, I'd love to pull people together that are interested in just going for walks, going for hikes, connecting then about our spiritual journey. I'm going, oh, Okay, let's get that lined up. Someone's saying, I, am, I love being able to read a book and connect with someone, other people around the content of the book. Okay, pick your book. Let's go. There's got to be people in this place who are needing this. But it doesn't necessarily mean Friends Church. It could be anywhere. Where are the social groups that you have connected with in the past that maybe you've lost track with? Now as things are reopening, have you thought about re-engaging? Where are your people? Where are the social groups that you feel affinity with? Now is the time to start making some phone calls, making some texts, sending it out saying, hey, what's going on? Are we doing this again? You're going to realize some groups won't restart. Perhaps your needs have shifted in the last 16 months. You're feeling like, you know what, I was really into that before. I don't know if I'm into that anymore. So what is it going to be? Some of you haven't done social space very well. Maybe you did it at one time. Something happened and now you've backed away. you got an opportunity now to be brave. Step out. Maybe go on to meet up see some of the different groups that are out there, to step into one of the groups that we're going to be launching here. You need to put yourself out there and start this process of building your social tribe. As you do this, all of a sudden, this magic begins to happen in these places, these social tribes. You begin to find your people. your personal people. This is the third type of relationship, level of relationship. These are the ones that we would actually call our true friends. They're the ones we find a deeper level of connection with. There's just more glue there. It's not just the thing that perhaps brought you together in that social space. Now you begin, maybe it's a conversation or whatever. You just go, wow, I... I really like this person. Like, I, hey, everyone else is fine, but I really click with him or her. It's just, so we just have a, just a, a more in common. Someone starts sharing their story and you're just going, oh man, that's my story. 
Well, I'd love to chat with you about that. Someone starts asking questions. You're going, those are the questions I've been wondering about. Well, I've been trying this. Really? What's that book? That's awesome. I'm going to read that too. There's little steps that you take to move out of social space into personal space. And it requires a level of courage, bravery. We say, you know what? We should, I don't know if you'd be open to it, but we should maybe go out sometime. Get our families together. Hey, after church, you want to just head out to the park? We can order in a pizza and sit out there. And... These are the brave steps that move us from social into, into, pri- into personal space. Now, forgive me. There's some of you that do this so intuitively. It's just like you don't even have to think about it. You got these relational skills in spades, and it just happens. Some of you have a relational world that's super healthy. You're not one of the many that are lacking right now. You're just got it all. Let me just say, awesome. All right? I applaud you, and, and we need more of you. Perhaps even as I'm talking this morning, you can identify people that are right around you that really need some coaching, some help on this. Pay attention to what I'm saying because you might be used to kind of relay this to help someone. When you, when you step out of social into personal, you do put yourself out there. You do risk a little bit of rejection. There is a chance that someone you're asking, inviting into personal space with you, already has too many people. Because let's face it, you can't have a million people in personal space. It's much, much smaller than social space. You can have hundreds of people in social space. Hundreds of people that you know. When you get into personal space, this is like a little tribe. Jesus, Jesus had like, they think, 70 or 80 people, like an entourage that would follow him, that would travel with him, support what he was doing, a part of his group, men and women. But then he had his, his, his disciples, his 12 guys, and he spent a lot more time with. But then w- within even that group, he had three that he just hung out with, that he shared really personal stuff with, it seems. He knew you, you, you can't give yourself in a personal way to everyone. You pick, you find your tribe, you go, okay, yeah, 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 I really dig this person. So in the process of finding your tribe, in determining who your people are, sometimes you're going to put yourself out there and that person isn't going to reciprocate. They're not going to respond to the bid because they already got too many people in. That's okay. It's normal. Take the rejection and just realize you're one of millions who might end up with someone saying, yeah, you know, life is full. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Move on. Keep looking. Keep combing through your social tribe. There's someone else sitting there. But you step up and you invite in. The deeper the level of friendship, the more you move into these concentric circles, the fewer people you can have in there because you give yourself to these people. You make a commitment to them. Let me ask you something. If you think about the personal people in your life, your friends, your close friends, what does your connection to them look like over the last 12 months, 15, 16 months? How much engagement has there been? How much intentional time have you carved out, say even in a week, to say, I see you, what's going on? What's happening? 
beautiful thing when you get into this personal space is that the surface talk starts moving away. This is the land where the introverts live. They go, I don't need a ton of social relationships. I just need one good friend. Just give me someone who we can talk about real life. Yeah, I get that. I get that. That's the beauty of this space is you can open up. You learn to be vulnerable with these people and they with you. You share stuff that no one else knows because you've earned this trust. They've earned trust with you. And the exchange can be just like gallons of water poured into your soul. How much have you felt that over the last few months? Probably if we were to take a survey, in all honesty, most would score very poorly when we get into this level. I'll tell you what happens is we end up with a friend or two or three, mostly just by the way life turned out. High school friend, we ended up sticking around, stayed close to them, and that became our our core. We didn't even know how it ended up happening. We just spent a lot of time together, and boom, there they were, and we're friends. But then life happens. A divorce perhaps happens. Someone moves away. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you go to your personal circle, and that thing is registering low. And many people learn to live with that as their new normal. And that, my friends, is where loneliness kicks in. Because you can have a billion surface people that you know by name, and they know by you. But I'm telling you, when life hits the shitter, you ain't talking to them. When you're in trouble, you ain't talking to your social people. Many are left with a very, very small group of people. So I'm saying this all this morning, not to cast a dark picture, but I'm, I'm going to ring the alarm bells because you got a golden opportunity now. If you're sitting here and you're going, man, i got very few in my personal space and I would love more then I'm not going to tell you to go to the personal friend tree because they don't exist. I'm going to tell you to start thinking about your social tribes, where your personal interests are. Where are the people that you know who share commonality? This spiritual community, it ain't meant to be the end-all, be-all, but I'm telling you, finding people who are on a similar spiritual journey is a great place to start in finding someone who might move into personal space. But there's other places Frickin' get on it. Make some time. Send a text. Set up a time saying, hey, let's meet. Let's go for a beer. Come on over. We're going to sit in the backyard. Pretend there's a fire there if you don't have a campfire. Well, I don't care what you do. But start building. Start nurturing this level of connection. And don't you try to tell me you don't need it. Every frickin' person listening to me needs this. And most of us are starving for it, but we've come to think that what we got now is our normal. Don't trust it. We are are going on the offensive over this next few months. If you are a person who's interested in being a part of the tribe of people that are going to stir up community, here, friends, I want to know you. I want to meet you. 
I want to I introduce you to a bunch of people who are going to engage in building an army. We're going to connect a minimum 60 people in groups this fall. And I don't care what the group is. Making pancakes. I don't care what it is. You find your affinity. You find people you have some connection with. And you start doing life with them. And you watch what changes. Now, let me tell you as I close why I give a rip about this. I, hey, if it's just making friends for the sake of being, I don't, I don't care how many friends you have. In fact, have no friends, but loneliness kills. And one thing I've learned about loneliness, loneliness will stunt your spiritual development like nothing else. It will leave you incapacitated. The last thing you're going to think about is about the world around you and how you can make it a little bit better when you're lonely. It turns you inward, self-absorbed, narcissistic. This is what it does. That's why I care. Let's eradicate loneliness this year. Let's eradicate it in your lives. You see someone around you that's lonely, maybe they're not even on your radar, but you can do something for them. You can throw out a lifeline. I'm a little fired up about this. Because people are dying of loneliness. And we don't need to. Take a step this week. Get on the frickin' phone. Do whatever you have to do. And if you want to be a part of the effort here to build up this tribe of Friends Church, to make a small town out of our community here, whether it's online or in person, come on, talk to me. I've got a job for you. All right? Good. We'll have a great week. All right? Let's get busy. I'm done. <laughs>